Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of the Topic Tacklers. I'm Liam Dunlop. And I'm Shane Bryant. Welcome, everyone. So on this episode, we're actually going to tackle the Final Four. We're going to do a quick recap because the Final Four is going on Saturday. We'll we'll give predictions and all that jazz. And we're actually going to talk about our all-time favorites and what who we think are the all-time best NCAA March Madness teams, players, and coaches. So to start it off, this has been one of the weirder March Madness tournaments of all time, Shane, as we talked about a couple episodes ago. And the final four this year, we have number two ranked Houston versus number one ranked Baylor and number 11 ranked UCLA versus number one Gonzaga. So Houston defeated number 12 Oregon State, who tried to make a Cinderella run. Baylor defeated number three Arkansas. Gonzaga defeated number six USC, who tried to make a little bit of a, a Cinderella run as a number six seed. And UCLA defeated number one Michigan. 51-49, a couple bad shots taken by Michigan, but what have you thought about the tournament so far? So we covered it in episode three of the Topic Tacklers, and I did say that this, I thought that it would be the year of the upsets. Um, I thought it would be, someone would go a little bit further, like, I mean, number 11 in the Final Four is amazing. Um, I thought a random team would win this year. But I don't think that's going to be the case. We're going to dive into predictions in a bit. Um, but nonetheless, this tournament has been amazing, man. Like that Oral Roberts run was great. Uh, like you just said, the Oregon State um, Cinderella story going to the lead eight. That's huge. Uh, and USC too as a number six. Like that's that's uh, that's a hard that's a hard uh, route they had to take. I mean, they beat Kansas uh, number three and then Oregon at number seven. Those are not easy teams. So there was only one double digit team to ever make the final four in the modern era which is pretty much the last 30 years of march madness and remember that was in 2006 with george mason george mason made that crazy run the the george mason patriots they defeated north carolina they beat michigan state they took on wichita state and they defeated them and then they they topped the top seeded Connecticut Huskies and then an unreal overtime game against those Huskies 86-84 and then they made the final four and unfortunately lost but that is that is crazy and good for George Mason and hell of a tournament by UCLA and we were talking before the show the the rarity of making the final four from the first four this is the first time that this will ever happen so this is a historic run this is huge you, I actually didn't know that about the double-digit seeds in going to the Final Four. That's, that's an incredible uh, achievement by UCLA this year. That's, that's crazy. I love it, man. First four to the Final Four. That's awesome. Good for them. They deserve it. They, again, they didn't have easy teams. ASU, whatever, right? Um, but then you have Alabama. Like they were really good this year, and like you said, taking out number one Michigan. I mean Wagner at the free throw or free throw line kind of helped them out there, but nonetheless got the W in the Final Four. Let's go! I'm rooting for UCLA. Do you think the first four actually helped them? Do you think having that extra game got them a little bit the knock the rust off a bit and get them more in game shape? I do think so, actually. Like going from a COVID season, no matter what school you're at, you were playing. Uh, either a full season or 
barely a full season or half a season, whatever the case may be. Every team took time off before March Madness um, and before their tournament runs, their division or conference tournament runs. I think it helped significantly for UCLA. They faced Tom Izzo's Michigan State. It's a great basketball program there. It's not like they went in and faced some random school who's like got another chance. They're not facing like a North Dakota, or, yeah, North Dakota State University or something like that, right? I think it helped them a lot. Beat Michigan State. That was a great. That was a great game too. Yeah, they almost didn't win that game. So let's do a little bit of a quick prediction, like. As you heard, if you listened to episode three, we both weren't terrific on our predictions, but we have to we have to throw them in. We're not experts, but it's just fun to guess, and it's fun to like maybe throw a couple dollars on one of these teams. So we'll start off with uh, number one seed Baylor Bears. They're taking on the number two Houston Cougars. Twenty six and two versus twenty eight and three. This is going to be a good one. The only thing I have to say is Baylor has been so much more impressive than Houston. I completely agree. I think Houston with the number two rank is a little bit of a reach. Uh, they had a fantastic season and they played very well in their tournament as in their conference tournament. But Baylor this year, man, they're unbelievable. Like I don't think Houston has even got a shot. I think they're gonna get blown out of the water. They Houston has faced a double digit seed team every round this year to get to the final four what are your thoughts on this game yeah i like baylor as well i I think it might be a little bit closer than you're saying but it is only a 5.5 spread so it's going to be a little bit closer but the thing with baylor is their defense is just shut down so i don't i don't see houston putting up more than 60 points i think it might be a, a low scoring game for houston and that might make baylor run away with it at the end i'm gonna predict i'm gonna actually do a score prediction 69, just because why not? 69-59 for Baylor. I like that prediction. That's a good one. Yeah, Baylor, their point guard, uh, Davian Mitchell, he is stepping up right now. I think if I were to give a score prediction, I'm going to go 61-79 Baylor. Yeah, that is, a, that is an ass-kicking right there. And as we were just mentioning, the UCLA Bruins – take on the Gonzaga Bulldogs and Gonzaga has just been world beaters. They have never lost. They're trying to make history by being the last team since, since 2012 Kentucky. And I don't see them losing to UCLA, but UCLA knocked off number one, Michigan. I, I just, I can't see it. No, I don't, I don't see it either. I think Gonzaga has a very good shot of taking it all. You called it in episode three that they're, pretty much the team to watch and the team that you had going all the way this year um looking back at it now that's a great call they're absolutely dominant i even said that i don't think they're the same team as anthony davis's kentucky uh with all those superstars and everything and i didn't think they'd go uh all the way to win but i'm telling you right now i'm hopping on gonzaga wagon i want ucla to win ucla to win but I don't think there's a chance. Gonzaga's taking it, and I think they're taking the whole tournament now. So we're going to go, and we're going to look back at some of history's best March Madness teams. We're going to just mention a couple ones right off the bat, just ones from way back, way before our time. And we had Don Dunlop on last week, and it was even before his time. I'm just going to quickly mention 
1954-1955 San Francisco Dons. Unreal. 28-1, 12-0 in the tournament. They had Bill Russell, who averaged 21 points, 20 rebounds. Casey Jones, who ended up being a Hall of Famer for the Boston Celtics with 10 points and 5 boards. And they just swept the floor with everyone. And a team we've been mentioning a lot so far is, I think it has to be the best franchise of all time when it comes to March Madness and NCAA basketball, the UCLA Bruins of the 60s and 70s. Oh, 100%. I mean, they had cream uh, from, what, 67 to... So from at least 67 to 69, um, I think he was there another year. He was probably there four years. So he scored... Or sorry, he got... Um, NCAA most outstanding player because that's what they call it in the tournament uh, three years in a row 67, 68, and 69 that's unbelievable you don't even see players staying that long nowadays if you're going to the draft you're not staying three years yeah if, you, if you're going to be a lottery talent nowadays why why not make 10, 15 million dollars off the hop and then get a shoe deal and make X amount more over then but Back in those days, these guys were looking for education. They knew maybe basketball wasn't the financial freedom for their families. So it was Lou Alcindor back in the day, as we were talking about last week. And yeah, three-time National Player of the Year. And we were doing the math here. UCLA, out of from 1964 to 1976, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten out of 12 years. Jeez, man. like how do you how do you say anything? And there was one coach. Oh yeah, one, one coach. coach that entire time, John Wooden, and and we were talking before our episode. John Wooden pretty much invented all the plays. He invented the zone defenses, and he's just probably the best the best mind basketball has ever seen, especially at the college ranks. Oh, definitely. And just look at the players he's coached as well. If you just if you look it up online. Um, Kareem, obvious, right? But then he also had the Bill Walton days in the early 70s. So he's coming off that Kareem run uh, in the late 60s where he's winning three MOPs in a row. He goes to NBA draft. Then you get a player called Bill Walton coming in, and he wins outstanding player two years in a row, 72-73. Like, he's get, he was getting superstars, man, and that's just great coaching talent, great program great talent overall if you're gonna live anywhere in the late 60s early 70s wouldn't la be the best place to live like during the hippie days you probably have like a bunch of music festivals and all the hot girls down there and that just seems like the dream place to be and especially if you're gonna win at pretty much every year you're there i think they made the right choices and we saw obviously bill walton ended up as a hall of famer for the portland trailblazers now he's a commentator he's a little bit weird but his son's now the coach for the Warriors. Or is he the Lakers head coach now? Yeah, he's Lakers head Lakers, coach Lakers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Luke, so Walt- he just, Luke Walton. Yeah, didn't, yeah, so he just won a championship last year yep. as a coach. So, yeah, that, that family's got great bloodlines. But now we're going to go into the more modern 2000s, maybe late 90s teams. Shane, like, can you give me a couple of teams that you remember watching throughout the all of March Madness? And you're like, oh, man, I'll, that's a team I'll never forget. So the first team that comes to my mind, and I got the jersey of them, Kemba Walkers, UConn, University of Connecticut. They won in 2011, the 2010-2011 season. 
uh, he was unbelievable, man. Like his stats going into this, uh, his stats going into the tournament were 28 points per game. They were ranked, or sorry, they finished their conference record with a nine and nine that year. They before their tournament conference tournament they were a ranked nine seed. They won, beat that whole tournament, went to the tournament, ranked number three seed, huge underdogs, dominated it all, took it all the way. I love Kemba, love that team. Uh, I don't overly know too many people that really contributed uh, to that championship that went to the NBA, but Kemba's it, man. Like He was the guy. I love it. Yeah, there's only three guys that even made the NBA from that team, which is super surprising to me because in two of them were quite average. Jeremy Lamb. He was a good three-point shooter. He was he was all right. Shabazz Napier, who ended up, you see, you saw him a couple years later because he was only a freshman that season, just as Jeremy Lamb was. A couple years later, they would win another one, and Shabazz Napier was a lot more prominent in that one, and that was the year, that was 2014 that they won with him as the MVP, and he's been super average in the NBA, and that just goes to show the best guys and the MVPs of these tournaments don't always pan out. No, not at all. And the number one overall picks don't always pan out either. So just because just cause you're hot, man, you're on a hot streak, go in the tournament, look good or whatever, a team takes you, takes a chance on you, doesn't mean nothing. Doesn't mean anything until you get there. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about college. So I want to uh, ask you, Liam, what is a memorable team for you, a team that you will never forget? about their run or their performance in the March Madness tournament? A big one for me is just because of pure... This was one of the last teams that brought the bigs. They always had somebody that was defensive-oriented. They were always ready. They were just a stand-and-bang team, and two of their guys ended up being all defensive players. They were only ranked 11 going in in 2005-2006. And they ended up doing a two-peat. And it was the 2005-2006 Florida Gators. Joachim Noah. Everyone knows him for having the ugly one of the ugliest free throws shots of all time. Maybe being one of the not-so-pretty players to watch play. But at 6'11", 232 in the early 2000s of college, he was a monster. He averaged 14.7 boards. They're not hop-off-the-screen numbers, but... Just how reliable he was on defense, being able to shut down the other team's bigs. And to go with it was another sophomore. So four guys from this team, five guys from this team made the NBA. Four of them were sophomores this season, and they won the championship. Al Horford, you might know him. Yeah. (laughs) He has been bouncing around recently over the last couple years. But back in the day when he was on the Atlanta Hawks. He was solid. Absolutely. He always had that little elbow jumper. He always was a great, reliable four. Corey Brewers had a long career. He's been on every team under the sun. Torian Green, a name that you don't really hear a lot about, but if you go back and watch his Florida Gators highlights, he was so fast. He was the big dunker on the team, and he was just the he was just a little guy. He was just six foot, but he could fly. And then Chris Richard, he, again, not a big name, but he made the NBA and. Those are just those are the teams I like. I don't like the really big flashy teams. And yeah, it's just one of those teams that just so exciting to watch, well coached, 
coming out of the SEC, which was never known for being huge in basketball unless you're like a Kentucky, and Florida coming out of the woodwork, being going from a football school to a basketball school, there it is. And I know there's a team that we both loved to watch together when we were young kids, and that was the 2008-2009 North Carolina Tar Heels. Yes, that I love that team, man. We were... We're breaking into high school, and we were in the ninth. We were in the ninth grade when they won. I remember this because I wore my wore my shirt to school the next day, and they had three dominant players that went into the draft. Uh, the most notable being Ty Lawson, the point guard, uh, Wayne Ellington, shooting guard. He's been backup. Uh, he's been a backup in the NBA most of his career. He's starting for the Pistons right now, and Tyler Hansborough, who got drafted by the Pacers and played for the Raptors as well. They were all three great college players. They, Ty Lawson actually had a decent NBA career, uh, but they all didn't really show uh, great potential in the NBA, but they got that done, and that was a fantastic team. If you guys watch uh, any highlights on it and stuff, you got to look up Tyler Hansborough elbow, when he elbows uh, the other guy in the face because he's, uh, he's got the ball and he's trying to shake it off him. Great play. I'm, the only thing I'm going to argue about in that this sense of this team was I think Hansborough was obviously their best player. He won in the tournament. Yeah, no, he won definitely. Naismith Player of the Year that year. Oh, I actually yeah, didn't know that. He was the best oh, damn, player man. in the whole NCAA. I didn't know but I guess you saw him as the third best, which which was totally fine. Yeah, that's just it. Other guys on that team: Danny Green, three time three time NBA champion now. Yeah. Ed Davis. Yep. Also played for the Raptors. Big time Raptors guy. I think he might still be in the league somewhere. Yeah, he's somewhere. He's somewhere. Tyler Zeller, oh. just coming in as a freshman. He only had three points because you're not, he's not playing over hands, bro. And they didn't really use a center at that time. And Larry Drew, who ended up being a backup for, oh, yeah. I think he might there have a go. ring with the Cavaliers or something. There so. you go. I was trying to go in order of best NBA career, but oh, okay. I gotcha. think I, I think I'm going to put Danny Green on top then. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Didn't, I totally forgot about him on that team. Yeah. That's uh, that's yeah. unreal. Because he was quiet, right? Because yeah. he was just known as the elbow shooter. Because they had five guys average over 10 points per game. So they were oh. almost the opposite of the Florida Gators team I mentioned. Yeah. They were high scoring. They were rushing the floor with their two, bit, with their two quick guys, Ellington and, and Lawson. And if they could rush the floor and get a double team... They're dishing it out to Danny Green, and you know what he's like from three. Exactly. And, yeah, he's a winner, man. Danny Green, he's a winner. He's clutch. That was a great team. So I want to switch it up a little bit and go over to our favorite players or the most notable players, um, player performances within the March Madness. So if you got uh, a person in mind, Liam, why don't you take this away? I'm going to go with a guy that was on a big school team. But he ended up making one of the best NBA careers of all time. Best shooter we've ever seen. And that's Steph Curry from Davidson. He brought up a school that nobody knew of. I didn't know what a Davidson was. Because they're not a football school. They're not a basketball school. They're not really known for anything. And in his junior year, he put up 29 points per game. Six assists, four rebounds, three steals. Three steals per game. He's not known as a defensive no, not at juggernaut. All. 88% from the free throw line. First team All-American. And he got in their best year, made it to the Sweet 16. And no one would have expected it. And literally, they tried to double-team him the entire game. And 
it was just it was insane. He he was incredible and they call him the best mid-major player of the decade and they're saying he's the best mid-major player since Larry Bird. Wow. I can see that though. He was great. That Davidson run that he took them on, unbelievable. I mean, I didn't know about them either until he came into the March Madness. I didn't even know about them when they were the 10th seed going to the March Madness. They play in the Atlantic 10. I'm like, okay. See, yeah. so he beats the number seven seed Gonzaga first round, right? That's a great basketball school. He scored 40 points that game. 30 of them were in the second half. So, like, that, he, they were down. So, I guess they were down by 10. And he just takes over the second half and wins it, right? So, they go on to the next round where they face number three Wisconsin another basketball school. another basketball school they beat him like it's they beat him like it's nothing and uh Curry goes for 33 that game like I don't know I, I can just I can keep talking I can keep going through every single game because it was unbelievable so his last win in that tournament was in the lead eight and they beat the number one seed Kansas I don't think we need to say anything more. Curry oh. scored 25 points. Who do you got? So we already talked about your three guys on North Carolina, but is there anybody else that jumps off the page for you on any other squads? Yeah, so I'm actually going to uh, kind of do it what you did a little bit and go to a little bit of a smaller school. And I'm going to talk about a person who put this school on the map as well. And you may know it because there's been a couple people since him. And it's Dwayne Wade from Marquette. And when he went on that one, uh, that one, because he was there for four years, right? He led them to the final four, and he had a great game against Kentucky. Uh, he scored 29 points, four blocks. This is from Dwayne Wade here. Four blocks, 11 assists, and 11 rebounds. He's actually, at that time, he was the fourth player to record a triple-double in the NCAA tournament, the whole tournament. And he did it in the final four, or the, sorry, the Elite Eight. Yeah. That's, unbelievable. That's unbelievable. And another guy that's, we were talking earlier, not all these guys pan out in the NBA. The last two guys we talked about, we're only talking about them now because we've watched them go through an entire career in the NBA and become Hall of Fame players. But where did they get their start? They wouldn't have been known unless they had these tournaments like they did. And Dwayne Wade posting a triple-double, obviously some... Some scouts were like, oh, hello, who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, and that's why he ended up being fourth overall. And that's why he ended up being up there with LeBron and Bosch. And another guy I'm going to mention later on, Carmelo Anthony, who also had yeah. an incredible, incredible tournament. And he ended up winning. And the thing is, Dwayne Wade and Carmelo Anthony would have the stats that like almost closer to LeBron. But they, they can't have the longevity because they did four years in college. Yeah. LeBron came straight out of high school. That's four years that he they could have been in the NBA, but they might have not made the NBA out of high school. Yeah, you don't know. Because they and knew. LeBron made the finals within his first four years. Yeah, he was an absolute monster. That's crazy. So another guy we're going to mention from the same draft class as Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony. He's not a guy that we're going to be like, oh, yeah, he brought a non-basketball <laughs> school in. No, he went to Syracuse, the Orange. He had six career NCAA wins, and he won a national title. He only played one year. Twenty. He only played the one year. Excuse me. He was the he was the first one and done. So I stand corrected on that. They they call him the first 
great one and done player and the most successful. Hmm. 22 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, and he only made second team All American. Jeez. What the heck is that? That's crazy. So And he's going to be Hall of Famer. Oh, he's going to be a Hall of Fame player, too. I wish he had more of like more of a memorable career later on in his in his NBA career, but still in single-handedly taking his team to an NCAA tournament win in 2003, he didn't have the best the best teammates with him. Like if you if you look at his teammates, I don't really remember anybody big. Yeah, it was only him and Hakeem Work. Him and Hakeem Work were the only guys that made the NBA off his entire squad. So, averaging 22 and 10 as a 6 foot 8 freshman another unbelievable year (laughs) yeah he he definitely played a different uh style of ball in college than he did in the nba i find which you need to right it's it's two uh completely different uh games but like you were saying liam he didn't have much to work with man like he was the guy he got it done he won it all and yeah he's gonna go down in history yeah he's one of the best college basketball players ever, I would say. Yeah, um, Bleacher Report. So we're using the Bleacher Report uh, sheet just to see like where they put them. And we're just looking up the best college basketball players of the of the 2000s. And they have Carmelo at six. They have Dwayne Wade at five. They have Blake Griffin at four, which oh, that's actually him good. in that's Oklahoma was scary. Steph Curry at three. Hansborough, who we talked about earlier, at number two. All-time oh, yeah. 2000s. Tyler Hansborough they had. And then number one, Jason Williams. That was a little bit before I started watching college basketball. Me too. But now he's a huge, he's a big analyst in ESPN's college basketball coverage. So Jason Williams, they actually have as the number one of the 2000s. But there are some players from like the 2010s that we can also mention, like Anthony Davis. Yeah. Even like, Michael Kidd Grillchrist on that team. Oh yeah. Those were on the same team. Well, Anthony Davis only averaged 13 points for the whole tournament. Like, and, well, I mean, his stat, his stats are unbelievable. 13 points, 12 rebounds, 4.8 blocks a game. What? Like, how? Yeah. And he was 51% from the field. So, but, it, it, yeah, it was what it's what you're saying. They also had Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Like, Anthony Davis didn't need a score. He doesn't need to put up 25 points. Like, we're talking with Carmelo and Kemba and people like that or Curry. Like, like he didn't need to, man. And look at him now. Unbelievable player. Yeah, and we were talking again before the show there's some players that we look at and as you look at the NCAA most outstanding players of the tournament. So obviously a couple years ago, because last year it was canceled due to COVID Kyle guy. We haven't seen much of him in the NBA yet. Dante DiVincenzo is having a decent career as like a backup for the bucks. Joel Barry. I haven't heard of that name since the tournament. No. Ryan Archidiacono, Tyus Jones, Shabazz Napier, all backups. Yeah. Um, Anthony Davis, Kemba, Kyle Singler hasn't done much. Ellington, as we talked about earlier, back up. Chalmers, back up, but won a ring. Corey Brewers had a long career. Noah, defensive player. Sean May, Ameka Okafor, Juan Dixon, Mar- Mateen Cleaves, Jeffrey Shepard, Miles. Who are these guys? Like, who are these people? Carmelo Anthony. So it, it just goes to show you can be the best player in the March Madness tournament and come out and not have an NBA career. Yeah. Or then you can be these guys like a Steph Curry and take put your name out there, not be internationally known and recognized, but then put your mark on NBA history. Yeah. It's crazy. Everyone has a different route, right? 
And it all it all comes down to where you're scouted to as well. Like you're not gonna turn down a university if they're the only place that wants to take you. Not saying Davidson was the only place that wants to take Curry. It but was one of the only places that yeah. offered him a full scholarship. And he's the son of an NBA player. Yeah. So it's not like he doesn't have a name to him. That's crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely and then look at his brother. His brother, because he was Steph Curry's brother, got to go to Duke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. So like they're like, Oh wow, look at this guy. Why didn't we why didn't we go after Steph Curry? Let's take his younger brother, who's obviously not as good, but he's still good enough to... I think they won a championship <laughs> with Seth Curry anyways. Yeah, I think they did, actually, too. Some big yeah, news. he did go to Duke. Yeah, That's so true. he got to go to Duke because his brother it's showed true. up at Davidson. So, another thing. We got some we got some NBA coaching... Or NCAA coaching news, excuse me. And Bill Self just signed a, a very interesting deal with the Kansas Jayhawks. So he signed a lifetime contract. So it goes, he's it's a five-year contract that will automatically add an extra year after each season. So I thought this was the first of its kind. I thought, I texted Shane. I was like, I've never heard of this before. I didn't know this was possible. But I guess Tom Izzo in Michigan State's already had one. And they did a seven-year contract first. And then Matt Painter of Purdue has a five-year rolling contract. Why? Listen to listen to the financials on this, Shane. So Bill Self will get five point four million, which includes an annual retention payment of two point four million. So that's if he gets bought out. Two point four million adds up for all those years. He also gets two hundred forty thousand dollars a year for personal private jet travel. Yes. Why not? He's coaching Kansas. Why not? Give him everything, man. Is Adidas paying for the the, <laughs> the personal jet? So, obviously, Kansas has had their issues with paying not – well, yeah, kind of paying players, having sponsors put some money towards players. I mean, they, they all do it. Kansas just got caught. They got caught, exactly. So, Bill Self's obviously been an incredible coach recently. Roy Williams just retired yeah, for North Carolina. Yeah. He's, yeah, that he's was, been old. Yeah, and and he coached those great teams that we were talking about uh, with that Hansborough team. Um, that was sad to see Williams go, man. I liked him. He was he was great. He's yeah, one of the best coaches. Like you, you put Roy Williams, uh, Coach K, um, Calip Calipari up there, and honestly, I think Bill Self's he's he's up there too because. He's coached great teams, man, and a lot of good, talented players in Kansas. And he won a championship. If, if you win national championships, your name's always going to be etched in history. Yep. But yeah, Roy Williams, he's going to live the dream. He's gonna. He made a lot of money. He coached some great basketball teams, and now he gets to just finally relax. I think he's seventy-four years old. It's about time you retire. It's not a hard like. It's a hard gig having half of North Carolina, like fan base blame you for everything that yeah. goes on with the team but it's an easy job in a sense where you have assisting coaches that do all the grunt work and you just have to scout the best players and win games that's pretty much it and call plays yeah and just call plays it, or if you have these players like we talked about earlier you don't even need to call plays they'll do it all themselves yeah that's so true so yeah other coaches that we can talk about yeah as you already mentioned coach k obviously duke's hero for the last 30 years yeah. he's the coach of team usa so he has gold medals in the olympics he's he's done it all and bobby knight yeah from bobby back knight, in the day yeah. so he, he won he actually 
he won the championship in 1976. He actually took Indiana to three divisional titles. Mm-hmm. But the one thing everyone remembers about Bobby Knight is him throwing a chair at a referee. And that one little video like that in this social media day and age can literally show people of our age. Well, was he even that good? And my dad was like, oh, man, that guy knew how to coach. But all we know him as is the guy that threw a chair. <laughs> so I literally just typed in Bobby Knight in Google. The first thing that comes up is Bobby Knight net worth. Second thing, Bobby Knight chair throw. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. People, like, not even statistics or anything. <laughs> yeah, a net worth and chair throw, because that's all that people care about is how much money he's worth and how much humor he can bring to the internet. That's so true. Like we can't, video, we can't go on deep dives of coaches that were from way back in the day. So I guess Adolf Rupp from back mm-hmm. in the 40s was terrific. Yeah, so he was actually on the... Like uh, someone played him, obviously an actor played him on the movie Glory Road, and he uh, was coaching Kentucky, right? And he had like all the super the best guy in the state or whatever, and then little Texas Southern like went to beat him, and it was pretty good. And it and I saw in an article that whoever portrayed him in the movie actually did like a fantastic job. Like it, it was like Spot actually on. like rough, yeah. So obviously John Wooden we were talking about. So they won a, con- a record 88 consecutive games while he was coaching, 10 national titles, seven in a row, and like you, they'll never, you'll never be able to see a dynasty like that. Jim Calhoun, which is which coached those UConn teams we talked about mm-hmm. earlier, Roy Williams, Jim Beheim from those Syracuse Syracuse yeah. teams we talked about earlier, and I think Tom Izzo you could probably you can throw in the mix there too, like. He's got a lifetime contract. Michigan State's gonna be good again, man. Like he's co- he's coached good players too, but he he'll get his one day, man. He'll get there. He led them to the finals the one year, actually. Yep. And they lost against Shabazz Napier in UConn. Yeah, he he's made six Final Fours. Yeah, that's good. He actually they did win back in two thousand. Oh like, really? That was, again, before okay. when we before we started getting yeah. really into it because we were just kids, but he actually had the nation's one of the nation's longest active streaks of 14 consecutive NCAA tournaments. So yeah, absolutely incredible coaches. So like, this is the heyday of coaches, Rick Pitino, one of the scariest looking guys you'll ever see as a basketball coach. But now he's coaching like Iona or like a really small school right now. And he actually took them, took them to the first round. Yeah. He actually brought him in, man. Yeah. He got him in. He just, just all around great teams. And this is one of the most exciting times of the year. It has been a weird tournament and it has been weird to see these players but at least we are seeing these players when it comes to nba draft time and we'll do a prediction show about the nba draft as well yeah it's a lot better than last year when we didn't get a march madness and it's like oh who's going first overall i don't know the only name i know of is obi toppin because he's the only guy i see on sports center because he dunks <laughs> like yeah, he was the only guy and ball because and ball, yeah, yeah. his dad talking exactly, about him all the time. yeah yeah last year's draft was a lot of people overseas and stuff um but i think this year's draft is going to come a lot a lot of talent will come from the tournament is there any is there any guys from this tournament that are just popping off the page for you uh, definitely Cade Cunningham. Like, I mean, he's already gone, but he's going first overall, no doubt in my mind. Uh, for the people that are left, like the teams that are left, I'm gonna go with my Baylor boy Davian Mitchell, the point guard. Uh, no relation to Donovan Mitchell, though he does wear number 45. Uh, but he's yeah, I he's gonna go in the draft. I don't think he's gonna go high, but I think he's gonna be a factor the rest of this tournament. 
Evan Mobley as well. I mentioned him in episode three. He's still averaging two blocks a game, or he was averaging two blocks a game in this tournament. Uh, he, I think he'll go pretty high in the draft, actually, to a team that needs a center. So a guy for UCLA that I've been really watching and very impressed with is Johnny Juzang. Johnny Juzang has been shooting the three incredibly. Tiger Campbell, you can spot from a mile away with that big wild hair. I love it. It's, it's incredible. The, the, the amount of hair that guy has on his head probably adds about three pounds to him. And that entire starting lineup for, for Gonzaga, as I was talking about on episode three, the Jalen Suggs, Drew mm-hmm. Timmy, Corey Kispert, Andrew Nemhart, Canadian, yeah. Umar Balo. That guy is a big boy when he comes in for his five minutes. Like he just comes in and just takes a lot of burn, gets a little couple hacks in, and yeah, I'm excited to see this final four. And we're gonna probably get this episode up, so the results will already already be in. But yeah, I'm I'm saying it's got to be it's got to be Gonzaga versus Baylor. I'm gonna agree with you on that. I didn't agree with you in episode three. Now that's all said and done, we're in the final four. I don't see Baylor losing to Houston. I don't see Gonzaga losing to UCLA. Yeah, so guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're still listening to us, you can check us out on... Where can we? Where can you find us, Shane? You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and Anchor app. And like us on Facebook at The Topic Tacklers. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Liam S. Dunlop. And I'm going to start getting a wrap back around to Facebook streaming, sports, and gaming at uh, LSD53 Gaming. And Shane, where can we find you? So the, I'm most constant on TikTok at your guy Bri Official. I do have a Twitch as well, your guy Bri Official, if you want to check that out. Thanks, guys, for listening.